on the freeway at 100 k's an hour driving past the metropolis that is Melbourne mm-hmm. um, and then sitting at home, you know, eating a home-cooked meal whilst they're, just, they're still doing the same, you know. And it put a lot into perspective and I went dark after that. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Woke Wogs. I'm your host and resident Wog, Jaharat Volpe, here to navigate and facilitate conversations with the Wogs within my community that inspire me and hopefully you too. Now, if you're not familiar or not familiar <laughs> with the term Wog, it's a racial slur aimed at Southern European immigrants in Australia back in the day that has now been reclaimed and is celebrated as an identity affirming label. With that said, I want to draw attention to the ill use of this word still throughout the United Kingdom towards people from the East Indies, parts of Asia and North Africa. I want to pay my deepest respects and understandings to what the mention of it may bring up in you. Now for some quick self-advertisement. Do you have an event coming up and need an MC to make it a moment to remember? Well, that's what I do. I curate the optimal flow to any type of event and connect audiences to the messages that organizers are yearning to convey. Salt, great. Just DM me at the link attached and I can't wait to get involved. All right, in this episode, we captured the madness behind creativity, the teachings from a Cambodian orphanage, and how at 24, Philippe's dad dragged him into the living room floor and told him to find his light and go and do something with his life. Hold on tight as we do our best to paint a picture with as many words as possible. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, days and thems, aliens, welcome Philippe. Koganowski. Konikowski. <laughs> Mate, welcome. Thanks very much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. No, nah, it's pleasure. All, it's awesome. It's a pleasure. It's awesome, man. It's something that me and a lot of wogs talk about, and that's when wogs get together. It's like now there's three of us, even if there's two of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The energy just happens. And for the listener, I was on this project, I don't know, maybe a year ago or something like that. And so, yes. Philippe was. Uh, doing the photography and he had everyone on a string. Like you weren't the silent photographer capturing the moment. You were making the moment in there, man. And as soon as we like combined and whatnot, there was just this knowing that we kind of knew each other. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't know. It was just like, do you know this person, that person? Yeah, of course. Oh, no, no way, no way, no way. And then it was like, cool. It all just made sense. And it yeah. felt like I was 16 again, you know, when you when you bump into people and um and you're like, oh, do you know this person from this area? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. what it was. It was like, oh yeah, fuck, I know them. And you know, I was like, wow, we've never never, never met. Yeah, no, it was it was wild. It was wild. And the energy was wild. And your your energy's wild. So mm. it's a – that's why you couldn't get rid of me because I was like, I, I need that. I need that more in my life. There's not enough of us around. Mm. Um, it, it's 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 people just kind of – people are happy with their uh, mundane. So mm. No, but that's a really cool thing that you said because it's not even about being wog or whatnot, although it is kind of what we come with. But just like – indulging in being alive. And mm. that's why when I rolled in there, <clears throat> I felt a sense of home with your energy. I was like, this is how I like to be. And your permission in that space just made me lose it. And it made my day <laughs> easy, bro. Easy. The way you're speaking to celebrities and everything, you're telling them where to go, where to sit. <laughs> Give it to me. Give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking smile. <laughs> you know. No, you got it. You got it. And you've got that. You've got that. So it's, it's you know, it's a pleasure to be here and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to to sit here and, and you to anchor it and mm. and and give me 
giving you the energy that I need. Mm. <laughs> well, yeah, it's the story that we're after here, but I'm really curious to understand where this creative mind started to find itself and open up. And you were speaking about being an immigrant. Like you weren't from Australia. You weren't born here like No, me. no, no, no. So my, I'm, I'm, I'm of Polish um, background um, and I was born in West Germany. And my um, my parents and dad being an artist, and mum was being mum mum was an artist, um, or he's an artist. They um, they lived in communist Poland, and in 1981 there was a uh, an uprising. Uh, martial law was instilled, and well, martial law was just about to instill, and dad had his last exhibition in Poland, and a lot of his stuff was. Um, it's surrealist art, but it, it had a political undertone to it. Mm. So let's say he'd do eight paintings and he'd do two paintings um, just to throw off anyone that was questioning what he, he was painting about. Um, oh, subliminal. It's subliminal, yes, definitely, definitely. So uh, in 81 he had this exhibition and he, two military police come knocking through the door during the opening. You know, he's got 100 people there and they're walking around, you know, the big fucking big boots and – what does this one mean and what does that one mean? And, and Dad's having to throw them off, you know, with the ones that he's painted that didn't really mean much but, you know, were good enough for the idiot. Um, so he he finished the the exhibition, that opening, and about two weeks later he turned to my mum and said, we need to go or otherwise I'm never going to see the light of day. Um, so they packed up. Mum was 21 and Dad was 31. Um, and they packed up their old life and, and crossed two borders, you know, where they left Poland, East Germany, and got to West Germany. And, um, yeah, and settled in Germany as uh, immigrants under asylum. Um, and, yeah, we, we, um, they lived there for a few years and uh, I was born there and came here when I was a year old. So wow. that's where the creative and political genes come from. Um, and, yeah, we, we've uh, ever since we've, we've been here in Melbourne from St Kilda to Mulgrave. So. From St Kilda to Mulgrave. I think we started in Maribyrnong, to be honest, at the hostel there. Wow. Man, that's like proper OG artists shifting consciousness and the world, like standing up through their creativity to speak what can't be spoken. Correct, correct. Yeah. Heavy, heavy. And and I live with it. I've lived with it since then and I I continue to live with it and they're still around and they're um, they're always been very politically driven. So, and it has definitely instilled in me, and I understand a lot more than others do about that period and what they what they believe in. So, you know, having lived through that themselves and having to paint things to throw off the you know to throw off the authority to not not question them about what they what they were painting or what their messaging was. Wow! So, and that's your dad. That's my dad. Yeah. Four. Oh. Yeah, wild. Good, wow. good stock. And so you come into. You know this promised land, or maybe this barren land of Australia. Definitely barren. Definitely, there's tumbleweeds flying across <laughs> Chapel Street at that time in 1984. So, you know, like, yeah, it, it, it was it was a world apart. So coming here was a change, that's for sure. Mm. What was that? What's the history of Philippe coming into Australia as a wog boy? Especially when you were an actual wog boy, because when I was growing up, I was a celebrated wog boy. It was just a funny tag to have. It wasn't as legit as when I think you were in this situation. Well, maybe I was in between because I think the uh, the generation before me was the the wogs. You couldn't use the word wog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit. like our, my mate's parents. I'm like probably your mate's yeah, parents yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. You know, like well, my my dad, man. Yeah, you, you don't say that word around them. They'll fucking clip you at the back of the head. <laughs> Get the well, fuck my, out of here. You my know? dad celebrates it now. Okay, he, I think he feels a sense of like. How good is it that my son gets to call himself something that we got to reclaim? Yeah, okay, that's that's a good point. 
my dad, I'll never forget. I think I was probably grade four. So I would have been, you know, whatever that is, nine years old. And, you know, I'm trying to find, I'll get on my bike, my bloody Melbourne star and cruise the streets looking for <laughs> trouble. And always, you know, oh, if there's a young kid, I'll go have a chat and see if, you know, I can play some soccer with him or play some cricket or whatever it was. And, and majority of the time I found that I wasn't fitting in with a lot of people until my dad one day, you know, he catches me coming into the house with tears coming out. I said, oh, what happened? And I go, oh, the, the Aussies at the park, uh, you know, they tried to beat me up or they kind of, you know, gave me a clip of the head and one kicked me and they got me on the ground and I kind of ran off. My dad grabbed me by the, by the collar and took me to the park. He goes, which ones was it? And the older one, he grabbed the older one and gave him a slap. And to this day... <laughs> That kid still walks around the streets going, how are you, Mr. Konikowski? How are you, Mr. Konikowski? Really, he's still there. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, fitting in was, was, wasn't easy. Um, but it was all about finding yourself and finding who the people that you connected with, which were usually uh, Europeans mm. or, um, you know, same, from the same cloth at the end of the day. Man. Yeah. Amazing. And so you've got this father, like he, I'm just picturing him in my head who's come from this war-torn country, comes down and the first battle that he fights is clipping a kid over the years to get his son out of trouble. <laughs> yeah. But he's also, he is the creative mind. When was that point where he started threading that idea that you could be something bigger than what you were? Um, oh, from the get-go, from the very beginning, you know, from walking into the lounge room um, when I could walk and seeing all the artwork, um, not just his but other artists, um, photographers, other painters, sculptors um it started from you know from from that from that point on mum was an actress and so the people that we had around it there wasn't one one moment from the young age of the moment came later on when you know when phil was an adolescent or you know was still an adolescent in mind but was in his mid-20s <laughs> uh you know when when my father um could see that there, there wasn't much good going on in my life and on my 24th birthday I decided to you know pull me into the lounge room and, and hand over a, a new Canon 5D Mark II and said, can you please go do something with your life? You know, so that was the defining moment in that sense. Wow. But um, prior to that, it, it always been instilled, like the, the, the art on the wall and the dad discussing certain things and ideas or even, in, you know, engaging me to see what he's been painting to see what I thought of it, uh, what I understood from it or, you know, or, you know, the subtle, the subtle um, books that I'd get given, you know. There's definitely. something in that. Your dad's sitting there asking you to be curious. Mm. What do you think of this? Because mm. really that's what he was doing in communist Poland, mm. creating artwork to make people think. Correct. And that is art. That's also what you do now. It's like you're putting something out there that creates a different thought in everyone's mind. And then getting that curiosity in you and then asking for you then to maybe on your own volition, actually by pulling you into the fucking lounge room to go and be curious about the world and yeah, find definitely. out what you think and how you can create other opportunities for other people to think. Wow, that's like the the master slowly seeding it into his son by just getting him to be curious. Definitely, definitely, you know. And so I know the listener would be like, whoa, 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 just hold the fuck up. <clears throat> He dragged you on a fucking mattress into the oh, lounge room. What was that? <laughs> That was uh, that was a few weeks earlier. So yeah, you know, no, that was there was a there was a dark time there. Um, during my teenage years, I played cricket, I played soccer, and I played, took soccer to another level. And um, when I came back from overseas, um, you know, I discovered nightclubs and uh, and everything that comes with that. And um, 
Yeah, uh, there was a moment when uh, before that 24th birthday, Dad, um, on a Monday afternoon, pulled my mattress out of the bedroom and and stood over me in the lounge room with my mattress and me on it, going, "What the fuck are you doing? Get off, get off your fucking ass, do something with your life." And then a few weeks later, he he presented me the camera and and I took the camera and off I went. And yeah, when he pulled you out and called you out, what was your reaction? What do you think it was? Fuck off. <laughs> I'm fucking sleeping, Dad. Yeah, what the fuck? What are you fucking doing? Well, why am I in the lounge room firstly? And can you give me a fucking bottle of glass of water? I'm fucking parched. I've been up for three days. And her name's Maria. Can you <laughs> And then my mum walks in. She's like, it's not a hotel room, son. <laughs> oh, man, the brutality of it is perfect, though. It really was. I know there's been times in my life where mates are always like, you know, I really didn't. Didn't like her, man. And I yeah, thought all these things and saw all these things. I'm like, why didn't you have the balls to tell me, man? Sometimes when I'm in a stupor and in a dream or not even knowing that I'm actually in a nightmare, I need the closest to me to slap me and wake mm-hmm. me up. But look, even but even then you can be blindsided regardless of what it is, yeah? Because you're in your own head and your own – you create your own um, – Blinkers and yeah, yeah, your own walls and yeah, you got our biases, man. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. And retrospect is twenty twenty. And sometimes mm. I'm waiting for somebody else to do the thing that I should have just done yeah, myself. Hundred <laughs> percent. Fuck yeah, now. And so, had you ever taken photos before that? Yeah, look, my so there's a classic photo of me standing on the some edge of a cliff in Wilson's prom, yeah. in my fucking nineties tracksuit with my dad and his buddy Deodoras. <laughs> <laughs> it's classic. I'll send you the photos, but um. And he's holding on. He's got this Canon A1. It was like this proper first camera that he bought when he got to Australia. I didn't. And he, um, he's, he's holding it for dear life so I don't grab it. Because when I was younger, and to this day, I've got strong fingers. <laughs> and I touch you, anything. You, you held a stare for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> um, and to this day, like my dad would always say, you're the tester of things. So he was holding up to this camera for dear life, like on the edge of this cliff, like Wilson's prom going, fuck, is he, is he going to break it? And to this day, I've got that camera. He's presented me that camera. So that was the first time I ever held a camera. Um, did I take photos after that and prior to having cameras? Here and there, not, not really. I, to be honest, I, it's funny I ask that because I used to look at scenes in real life and go, oh, fuck, that looks cool. What a, that looks like that's a cool photo. And I think that's watching movies. I was always... Always wanted to become maybe a cinematographer when I was growing up, and not the fuck. I didn't even know what it meant. I just knew that it was something to do with cinema. Mm. <laughs> and then I'd look at scenes and I'd go, "Oh, look at that lighting!" And I'd turn to my mate and go, "Ah, shut up, Phil. Fucking don't worry about the lighting. We're going here. I go, go to Seven Eleven, get a sausage roll." And I'd be like, "No, nah, but look at it. It's fucking wicked, you know." Um, so it's always been instilled. It's, I think looking at things and noticing beauty in the world, mm, seeing the scenes in life. Correct. And you're right. It isn't just taking the the photo is it there's so much more that goes into creating the moment Oosh. so fucking hell not even a true affinity for that just that curious mind and he picks up the camera and gives it to you then what so i was smoking a bit of weed back then <laughs> <laughs> and i figured you know this is a perfect perfect opportunity for me to go to smoke weed and go see some cool stuff and get blown away and that's what i did i used to go up to the up to the mount dandenongs and go to parks and take photos of you know of flowers, it's like a proper little tripper, yeah, that I mm. was. And, 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 you know, start engaging with the camera and, ta- and, and, and taking things away from it and, and working out the knobs and working out what each aspect of it does. And it was, it was you know, it was, it was fun. It was, it, was, it was really cool. And then I started getting better and better and understanding what, what it was and then finding a subject. And I think 
what my party days did was it gave me a, a in with all the DJs. So I found a time, it was a time between Facebook and MySpace. Um, and all these DJs um, had no press shots other than, you know, your Mark Jameses and your old heads that used to hold a fucking record or a CDJ in their hands, you know. So I figured it would be a good, they, they were a perfect subject for me to go into. So I literally photographed literally every like Melbourne DJ at the time to give them a press shot for all their Facebook because mm. that was new. So, yeah, that that was kind of – and dealing with people, man. I love, I love, I love people. I love mm. people. I love talking shit with people. <laughs> I love getting reactions out of people. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's that's that was that was sort of the trip. So, yeah, uh, the journey has kept continuing and it's always been people. So yeah. Wow, man. Bang on to what I've been really thinking about lately. It's like how am I doing what I'm doing in the way that I need to be doing it? And you fusing all those years that your dad was thinking that you were wasting away partying, but then that was actually your slingshot into the industry of photography mm, mm. and giving you the ability to talk to absolutely everyone because you've been doing that at 8 p.m. at Revolver on a Monday. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much of that I was doing at 8 p.m. or 8 a.m. <laughs> uh, but look, I'll tell you something actually, and it's funny because from the moment I came back after the soccer, uh, my, 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 like my short little soccer career stint, um, to when I started photography, I probably did about 140 jobs, um, different jobs. So I, you know, worked with recruitment agencies, and they'd send you out for three, four days to go fucking count nuts and bolts at a at a fucking forklift factory. Um, and funny enough, I didn't count the nuts and bolts. All I got to do was count the tires, and there was four of them. And then I'd sit around for fucking 50 bucks an hour doing doing fuck all for the rest of the day. <laughs> but there were so many jobs I do that I knew I didn't want to do, but I had to test it. Mm. Back to the testing thing. I always had to test things. I always had to, you know, I, I had to find my way and I had to find and talk to everybody that, were doing, that was doing that kind of stuff. You know, from, from working on roadworks on, you know, a 38 degree day, digging a hole in the middle of Stud Road in Roeville, you know, like I had to do that for three hours mm. until I told him, you know what, get the fuck out of here. Here's your shovel, fuck off. Don't worry <laughs> about paying me. Like, always, always had to, mm. you know, you can't live life without testing everything, I think. Mm. You need to know where you sit and where you, where you fit in. Yeah, and even what you said before, even testing the thing you're doing, like going through all the different ways that you can use the camera, the mechanisms, how the machine works, how the different ways you can get yourself in an introspective and then to create a perspective with your photos. There's also a sense of, am I testing this enough to know if it's right for me? Mm, mm. Rather than just going, oh, I had this like inclination to do this. I tried it. Ah, it was too hard. Next. Mm, there has mm. to be that sort of dedication to maybe, maybe I should back up a little bit. Maybe there needs to be an understanding of really losing yourself in something. Well, you're going to engross yourself, you know, yeah. the same way as you you do. I'm sure, mm. you know, there's things that we, we you pick up a book and you're engrossed. Mm. You know, you're meant to go to bed at midnight and you're like, fuck, it's 2 a.m. I'm still reading and I'm like 70 pages in. Mm. But, you know, you, you because you start engrossing into those words, into the story that people are telling you, you know. And, um, I, I think there is a lack of people giving themselves to things these or giving themselves to a subject these days. Mm. I, I feel like there is the, the, you need to be part of it. You need to live it. You need to breathe it. You, you, you can't just say, oh, I did that and that's it. You know, I don't know mm. where else to go with it or I, I'm, not, I'm not committed to it. Fully putting it on and then taking it off or keeping it on. Mm, mm, mm. Otherwise, you never really did it, did you? Exactly. But it's also, I think also it's within someone's DNA, you know, like we're, you know, it's, it's definitely in my DNA through my parents. Mm. I've been around it from, you know, the get-go. 
you know, my parents walking into on a Saturday morning at 4 a.m. and my parents are raging in the lounge room with all their active friends, you know, from Poland. And it's like, well, what's going on here? Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll learn how to party through that. <laughs> <laughs> but I also learned about the arts through all their friends and them, you know, so mm. it, it was always instilled in me. It's amazing. I I'm going to butcher the quote, but they say, simple minds talk about people, <laughs> uh, good minds talk about I fucked it. (laughs) (laughs) Something around about great minds talk about ideas and explore ideas. And I feel like that's what the creatives do. And I guess everyone's a creative. I believe we're creating right now in this conversation. Yeah. Uh, But really playing with concepts and, yeah, how can I affect that and whatnot. That's what I love about even hearing your parents. Like, what do you think? How does that make you see the world? And then playing with that concept, laughing about it, butchering it, pulling it apart, putting it back together. Definitely. And, and and that's and I think that is the, the creative process. It has to be. It can't forever just be um, what we see. You know, it's pulling it apart and 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 changing it and moving it and restructuring it and reengineering it. You know, it's it's yeah, it's not just linear. Nothing's ever fucking linear. Mm. Um, and that's anything in life. That's not just a creative process. Mm. And so you're doing that now. And you said that 10% of the process is just a photo. Like what is that other 90% of you that goes into that situation? I am. So I'm Jane from uh, marketing. (laughs) I'm Louise in admin. Uh, (laughs) I'm Stephen from HR. So yeah, there's no, there's a lot. There is, there is a lot. There is, you know, there's, there's the sales hat and there's, I'm spitting, spitting all the hats. It's fun, but it is taxing because, you know, you can't do everything on your own. But mm. I, I love it. You know, you've got to hustle. The hustle is fucking real. Mm. Uh, um, and, and it's a, bit, a little bit disappointing because I'm the, uh, what, I, what I started with and, you know, 90% of it was just taking the photo. But I was learning at that time. Now it's like I pick it up and it's more the idea and it takes me – I can take a photo within – I know how to execute what I want within five minutes. Mm. Um, but there's always something that you overlooked and you've got to – You've got to give yourself time for that too. But the rest is leading into that, you know, whether it's taking a photo of some celebrity or, or, or a job that I've manifested into wanting to, to do for ages. You know? mm. um, so, yeah, it's not really the photo anymore. It's more about the, the prep and the pre-production for that now. Yeah, it's the whole process. 100%. Yeah, you can't just depend on the photo. It's, it's all coming into one. Correct. You're the editor as well, of course. You're setting up the, the talent, the subject. And, and I'm I've a had barista that with, as well, man. You're a barista <laughs> as well. You've got a going on. Now, speaking of manifestation, I reckon we fucking manifested this podcast, <laughs> yeah, because I, in that conversation with you, realising that we knew the same people, realising that you knew my brother and my sister-in-law and people, great listeners, uh, Philippe rolls in here today and he fucking, I'm going to like do a little show and tell for the camera. He presents me this book uh, and it's Faces and it's from Philippe's time in Sunrise, Cambodia, uh, which was a incredible project that my sister-in-law put on a non-for-profit where a whole bunch of entrepreneurs went out to Cambodia and gave their time, gave their experience to not just help them live, but help them dream big. 100%. And, yeah, this is where we understood that we knew each other. And so fucking 
when Philippe rolls in here and presents me with these faces, you know, because he did the same trip that I did. And, and you then say to me that, you know, within these shifts of Philippe, these little changes and these creativities and these understandings and just doing something with your life, that was a point which shifted your life completely. 100%. 100%. And the way you – and, you know, when I listened to your intro, I think three, four days ago, and you dropped that down and I was like, get the fuck out of here. Like we, we went on the same trip and the same journey. And there's and, – and, you know, it's – you know, it wasn't it wasn't a small shift. It was a big shift mm. going on that trip. Um, you know, uh, being part of something that, you know, giving those kids the opportunity to dream big, but also understanding where we sit in 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 the spectrum of things and where they sit and how how to bridge that gap and and be empathetic about about their journey as well. You know, and hearing their journeys. And I think that was the hardest part of it. Was was fucking not breaking down every time I spoke to these kids or after speaking to these kids, you know, like they're, they're wild. Their, their stories were wild. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad that I, I did and I'm glad I could document it and be part of it and and give those kids, you know, uh, we could give them the confidence to to go out and and do something with mm. with um, with their lives, you know. Well, yeah. So absolutely did. You know, yeah. I remember when I went there, we – we set them up with this kind of like, uh, what's it called? Entrepreneur sort of uh, challenge. And they yeah, with the tuk-tuks. Yeah, 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 they had to go sell stuff on the streets and they did, man. Yeah, and we they had Morello. Hunt, losing it. Losing the, it. The apprentice, <laughs> shout out Morello. Australia's only apprentice. <laughs> <laughs> the best. Well, after that, how do you top it? No, you can't. No, you can't. You top can't. It. You can't, you can't. Top. Even though, like, you watched the last episode on that, and you're like, "Oh, did he win that challenge?" But he won the whole he thing. He won the whole thing. <laughs> I'm still not sure about that perfume. <laughs> <laughs> so, just to give the listener a bit of background, the the book came about through your um, your brother's wife, Liz. Liz, <laughs> yeah, uh, came about because it was Sunrise's 25th uh, year anniversary, and Geraldine Cox, who runs the orphanage, um, so if anyone uh, doesn't know she's got a red hair with a bun on it, which which is a, a, a penultimate um, bun because that's how it all started, um, the orphanage, because of the Khmer Rouge coming in um, or for, for looking for power in Cambodia and her saving the kids in front of a tank um, and the, the insurgents of, of, of the revolutionary soldiers and she protecting these kids and the, um, the soldiers didn't mow down her or the kids because... There's an old uh, there's an old tale in Cambodia that uh, a woman with red hair and a ponytail, if you kill her, that um, you'll have your, your dick will get cut off. Fuck. So she had, so she figured she had a power over these men. Jeez. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I did. Did you never? She never told you that story. She probably did. Yeah, okay. I was 24. Yeah, okay, true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I got given a camera at 24. <laughs> 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 you were cruising around Cambodia, but. Yeah, so that's how the book came about um, and, and that's how her story, from my understanding, is uh, how she started that orphanage and how she started um, bringing in these kids and helping these kids um, from, that, from that, you know, that small group of kids that she saved on the streets. So I was, yeah, it was, it, was, it was awesome to be there and be part of capturing these kids, you know, innocence and, um, you know, all their emotions through their eyes and, and, um, and, and being with them and, yeah. And to be honest, I learned that I was only like this small embarrassing mm. then. Yeah, what a beautiful perspective. It's crazy in my experience of that, the understanding that when I give, I get. That's it. Like I'm getting so many endorphins running through me mm. when I'm mm. just giving. Yeah, definitely. Because the wealth that I accrued from 
not just working with those kids, but the other kids that I went and worked on on after that was ridiculous. Where did you go? What did you do? I went to Thailand after there. Okay. And it was interesting because I worked in Cambodia and did the couple of weeks there and was fully lit up. But yeah. I was just at the start of my trip. Okay. And so I was jumping on motorbikes, riding around Vietnam, <laughs> chasing sunsets and everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I came to a point of like, what am I doing? Yeah. Like, what am I doing all this for? And I remembered that feeling similar to what you were saying of like, whoa, I'm this small, but I'm not doing anything for the bigger picture. Uh -huh, exactly. And met this chick and she kind of saw that lostness in me. And yeah, she told me to go to this certain place in Thailand. And I was like, oh man, I've been to Thailand. She goes, you haven't been to Thailand. I didn't really know what she meant, but where she sent me was like in Isan, which is barren Thailand. Okay. You only go there if you're a teacher. Okay. Yeah, and okay. so proper Thai. Like I'm talking the food was so fucking spicy. They didn't give a fuck if you were from um, overseas and whatnot because a lot of the stuff in the south is watered down okay. for the western palate. Of yeah? course, of course. I get there, man. My mouth is on fire for five hours. <laughs> and your ass is on fire <laughs> yes, too, yeah. Yes, 100%. Bro. It's flame on. Burning uh, um, sphincter good. Yeah, sphincter good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, I went to this place and then serendipitously fell into similar sort of work again, working at this orphanage in Thailand. And yeah, I ended up staying there for three months, man. Wow. 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 Yeah. By the end of the three months and when you kind of came back here, did you find that you were lost again? Yeah, man. Yeah. Okay. 100%. Yeah. yeah I, it felt real. Yes. When okay. I was there. I felt like what I was doing or what I was seeing was real life because it was at the at the bottom. Mm. But when I say at the bottom, that's a Western point of view. They were also at the top. They were at the peak. They of were course. really there. And they understood the value of each other's time and just their touch, time. Their touch. touch. Yeah, everything, man. And the way they looked at you. Yes. And I think there's a lot in that of like, you know, me wanting to be seen as the white savior and whatnot. Me not knowing this in the subconscious that I'm coming in helping. But when I was there, I was like, no, they're helping me. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, yeah, when I came back, lost as fuck. And that's why it took me about a year to kind of get my groove back. Mm. And yeah, I also went through a really dark time. Mm. I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah, well, what's up? What's the purpose? What's, what's the, the purpose? purpose? And that's what kind of rolled me into the work that I'm doing now, uh, which is working with kids again and instilling in them things that I didn't have and really giving them what I believe I needed to live the life that I'm living now, but not at 25, mm -hmm. at 14. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, man, really relate to that kind of shift in the way that I saw myself in the world around me. hundred percent, hundred percent. I, what I found was that, so after I did the, 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 the book and after I did the, um, you know, the couple of weeks at sunrise, um, I went off and did a couple of weeks in a small village, um, and stayed there and, you know, uh, and lived, lived, you know, lived in a joint that had, that had a couple of wells, um, but you know, we were, we were, I was like the white guy, what's he doing here? <laughs> Why is he here? I just wanted to hang out. You know, it was, it was, it was just a, it, it was being part of it. It was understanding them. Um, you know, there was a guy who would roll in every morning on a, on a motorbike with a chopping board on the back with, with a bunch of meat on it. Where that meat came from, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it was. But you ate it though, didn't you? I was delicious. <laughs> when you smash anything with a lot of soya sauce, it's delicious, yeah. <laughs> But I tell you, I never got sick up until when I went back to Phnom Penh and ate a Western meal. And fuck, was I get sick for like three days after that. 
but that was that was that was, you know that's what life was there and and you know there was the little store and I could get my coffee there and again I don't know what the milk was but it was it was some sort of milk and there was a coffee and look at me tweaked um, but the life on this little strip and it was just like this dusty bloody barren strip next to a lake and then you know they were fishing pilchards basically mm. from this from this lake it was it was raw it mm. was raw and that that probably put more into perspective everything more into perspective to see outside of the the uh, the, the school and the orphanage was that uh, where they lived I don't know man I, I came back and I was like back into my car on the freeway at 100 k's an hour driving past the metropolis that is Melbourne um, and then sitting at home you know eating a home cooked meal whilst they're just they're still doing the same you know and it put a lot into perspective and I went dark after that yeah because of what I heard and what 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 I learned from these people and these kids um that have nothing you know they have to question your own being and your own self mm. on what you're doing here chasing the fucking dollar yeah fuck. yeah to what they're doing where it's that's that's a world apart you know that's not what they're it's not even in their fucking realm mm. and it's a responsibility mm. to tell their story 100 100 so yeah I, I, I think any creatives you've got to be mad to be a creative <laughs> you've got to be fucking you've got to be off with the fucking fairies you know and you know and you've got to be you've got to be strong enough to be able to come back from it you've got to mm. understand that there is there is a fine line and you need to if you want to tell your story you need to there is a process to it it's not just like an hey here it is and you know this is me and this is the best of what i can do it's, for sure you've got, to, you've got to underline um why you're doing that there's, there's going to be there's going to be a blurb yeah well, there's <laughs> going to be a blurb well there's going to be a maturity to it 100 percent. because you are making it for a market of course and that market as much as it can sometimes take us away from putting things out mm. it also has a lot of great feedback and lessons mm. there mm. and if we can listen amongst the noise it's going to better our craft mm -hmm. especially from those i would say trusted folk within our industries to reflect back to us yeah can't just be a fucking ad hoc artist and go on, this is just the best shit ever, as you just said. It's no, like, well, maybe it has that beautiful intention behind it, but maybe it's not articulating the message I wanted to articulate. Yeah, definitely. But look, let's, and, and let, just to go back on what you said, there's, there, this was not to market myself ever. This was always about the, the message of the kids, uh, the message of what the kids are, who, what they're about. Uh, you know, some people have said to me, oh, you know, they, you, can't, you can't do that. You can't use these kids to market yourself. It's like, well, I was never doing that. If you understood yeah. half the fucking what I was. Did you read the blurb? Like, yeah, did you read the blurb? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you, you're right. And then the weirdest thing is, you know, it's kind of like I always love this idea of multiple truths. It's like as much as I say that, there's also the reality that when something is so true and grounded in purpose, it sings itself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I see in this book. Like it is that. Like for me, that creates change, understanding. It gives me the experience, even though I've had that experience, but even just as an onlooker, of what you went through, mm. of what stories are there, yeah. and then how it can give me more perspective on my stories. You need to you need to go far into things to understand it. You can't just scratch the surface of it. Ah, we're, we're we're back where we were talking about the testing. Yeah, exactly right. You don't understand something to its you know to the to its fullness without having to test everything. You know, mm. I've tested my fucking parents many a times. Mm. I understand their threshold. Oh, <laughs> you know, but that, that's just one thing I'm saying. Like, no, no, of course, yeah. but it's, it's even a thought. Yeah. If I just go with every thought that comes up, am I testing that thought? Yeah. 
is what I'm thinking about that person a reflection of me mm. or is it a reflection of somebody else in my life mm. or my relationship to the masculine or the feminine? Mm. Am I really testing myself and digging further and further to find the core of why I think this way? Because mm. that's where the beauty is, of at course. the depth. Of course. We've seen the fucking um, sea cams, the coral and the beautiful reefs. Mm. What's under there? Yeah, it could be scary. Yeah, of course. But it also could be a revelation. 100%. And you, that's, that's where... That's where you learn the most and that's where you've got to open up to yourself to understand who you are and what, why, why it is you think certain ways. You know? mm. uh, there's, there's a lot of things that I've come to terms with and you know, it's, it's, they're, uh, they're deep and dark and, and, why, and it kind of explains why I do certain things or why I did certain things, but I addressed it. You've got to address it and you've got to understand that to address that you need to, you need to delve deep and you can't scratch the surface otherwise you just keep masking it and you keep fucking you keep you you just keep moving forward with no fucking purpose mm. there's got to be a purpose and you've got to kind of constantly drive yourself to understand who you are um also then not get lost in it like find the understanding of the madness have those blurbs to carry around with you for the next partner that you have for the things that you're creating to then also be able to help other people that are in their madness, give them the blurb. You yeah. know, it's like, hey, man, this is what I discovered and whatnot. Hard to talk to people that are in the madness, though. Of course, yeah. You know, it's, it's, that's that's another thing. It's understanding that someone's going through that madness and, <sighs> and, and stepping aside and going, you know what, you've got to let them do that and then let them uh, understand and find their own way through it. Mm. You can only feed someone a little bit and you can only – give them you know that understanding it's how you communicate with people uh, always it's, and again it's it's what's you the know. situation what's the context everything, uh, is, is, everything is, is different is it your dad understanding that you were in the madness and pulling you into the fucking living room mm. that's mm. what he did yeah, 100%. he saw you in the madness yeah. he saw you lost without purpose Correct. and he chose to wake you up mm. did he yeah. I saw some cool shit during that period though. Yeah, of course yeah. you did. But that and but there's also I think there's also a, an understanding not to throw away the madness. No. L not let me sit there and go that was a waste of time. Well, well it was been. never a waste no. of time. What I learned through that period uh, has only made me more experienced in life um, and people. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I fucking shuffled. And had a good time on the dance floor. But you actually shuffle? Yeah, a little bit here and there. I'm know, a good shuffler too. A little bit of a I still, I still put it out there. People a little bit of talcum powder. Of course. There was no talcum powder, fucking flour everywhere. <laughs> but um, no, there, there is this, you can look at things and go, hey, uh, that was a waste of time. But then it's never a waste of time. You learn, there's always, there's always lessons. Mm. You know, and, and understanding the lessons has been, taken me a while too. <laughs> yeah, and, and practicing the lessons as well. I think I've learned a lot in life, but then it all comes back to the action. Mm, mm. Am, I, am I using what I've learned? Otherwise, it's just fucking books on a shelf Correct. in my mental library. Mm. Yeah, man. Love that sentiment of like, how am I fusing my madness into my purpose? How am I taking inspiration from my life? How am I taking those lessons, actioning them? And then how am I yeah, giving it to other people so they can then do whatever the fuck they want with it in my art form? Mm, mm. It's sharing also. It's sharing that because you, as an artist, you can be so closed in and going, oh, fuck, you know, that person's doing exactly what I was doing or uh, that that person's writing the same riff as I did 10 years ago. Like, mm -hmm. get fucked. Every riff's been written fucking 20,000 times over and over again mm -hmm. or uh, we, we, we steal ideas from one another, so to speak, steal, or, or we're inspired by each inspired, other. Inspired, 100%. You know, it's, it's forever... It's forever growing on that and progressing on top of that. So, you know, it's it's not. Again, it's not. I, I've said this a few times. It's not linear. It's it's constantly up and down, and we learn, uh, and we have to learn to to let go of ideas and and share those ideas with people. And I love the parallels between 
creativity, going out there, putting your art out there and mental health. I don't know. I'm just seeing the parallel of like my mind creates all these ideas, problems, situations and whatnot and putting them out in conversation, writing them down, alleviate so I can cycle through them. Mm -hmm. And what I'm hearing you is that art is but the same. It's like I'm having all these ideas and whatnot, but I can't keep them all closed in. But the writing's the same as well, man. The writing's an art itself. It is. It is. But then when I flush it through me, where I allow myself to be a channel of creativity to allow my mind to be what it was built to do, which is to fucking create and, and, yeah, and, then, constantly, and, then, and then reflect off others mm-hmm. as, as well and, and use others' creativity to then fuel my own, put it through my system, let it digest through, let it shit it out, spicy or not, but, you know, let it, <laughs> let it do its own thing within me. Yeah. And, and that's it, bro. You were doing the same thing when you were watching movies. Mm. You were getting inspired by the sets 100%. and the scenes and it was coming through you and now it's coming through you again, but in your photography. Correct. That's that was my that was my school because that was the best school ever. Hollywood's got the best fucking uh, director of photography and lighting gaffers and lighting technicians in the world. And I was like, well, I may as well learn off them. Yeah, man. There's a ticket here. There's there's a ticket that you're you're cashing in, and that is the fact that everything is school. Everything, the sun and the way it lights, everything is the school. Fuck. And I I adapt to that because I realize that every conversation I'm having is an opportunity to facilitate depth. Mm, and not mm. that I'm sitting here fucking interviewing cunts all the time. Yeah, yeah. What if I get curious and what if I am doing setups with certain people that allow them to go deeper than I can then bring into my art form, whether it's podcasting, facilitating a room of 40 teenage boys or emceeing an event. Yeah, yeah. It's all the same thing. Which is probably going to lead into you writing something. Yeah. fucking yeah. And, and yeah, it, it comes back. What is, what is then the art form that I give? The wordsmith. The wordsmith. What's the method of my madness? Exactly. Fuck, that's where that comes from. <laughs> See, like, there's one thing that that um, that drives photography, and that's light. Yeah? Mm. There's no, there's no photography. There's no fucking light. Yeah, it's just a dark hole. The world is driven by light and the sun. So there's more to to just photography um, being driven by light. You know, so so um, you know, I'm I'm kind of. I'm at a point, and I've always been at a point where the light is beautiful and the sun can provide me a beautiful scene. But once you delve into creating your own scenes, that means you've got to bring your own light. And whether that's, you know, whether that's um, lighting or the, your light from inside. Mm. Stop shining the sun on me, bro. Like it is, <laughs> it, is, it is seriously bursting in. And even that. I don't know. There's just a poeticness to life sometimes. Mm. Like what you're saying rings true. The sun agrees with you and you are right. It's not always depending on the circumstance to give you what you need. How do I use the circumstances that I've been in to cultivate that light within, to mm. create the moment, definitely, to definitely. then capture it? Of course. And if you've got the power to be able to control it, then fuck, why not? <laughs> that's, that's what you're learning the skills for. Of course. That's why, that's why we go on this journey of, of craftsmanship. You know, We're learning our crafts to then be able to, to use it mm. effectively. And Philippe, that's what you've done. Uh, that, that's what uh, I'm seeing there. Come on, <laughs> just take the compliments. I'm going to get awkward here. But in this conversation, you've really shown me how the light that your dad stirred in you. Where is your light? Why don't you bring it to the world? Go find it. Use this vehicle of the camera and capture the light mm. and then give it back. And you've done that. You've gone on many travels, many benders, many good times. <laughs> <laughs> but but through this conversation, you've really taught me the art of what you do and how it's not about the photo. It's it's, it's life. Mm. That's 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 the journey mm. in mm. anything that we do. 
here, man. It's just doing our best to document it and create it. Exactly. And hopefully leave a legacy of some sort. 100%. Yeah. What's that legacy that you're wanting to be leaving behind? I think, um, I think telling the stories of my lessons uh, and my father's lessons and the world that we, and my mum's lessons of what they learned from the world around them. Um, and maybe, maybe something about just leaving a part of me, I think. Yeah. And that is the beautiful thing about your art form. Mm. Your photos are your legacy, dude. This book is your legacy. Mm, mm. And you're actually also helping other people lead their legacies as well. Yeah. 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 Which is cool. Uh, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, man. A hundred percent. I I can see that. And it's funny. Sometimes we can't, as you said, the blinkers, you know, we can't really see what's going on and that's what we need people in our community to do. And yeah, man, just thank you so much for helping me see what it is that I'm creating within myself and being inquisitive about me and yeah, giving me invitations. And I hope the listener takes this on too and how to really engross yourself in life to be the wanderer, to get lost in the madness, but also see the breadcrumbs that it gives you to then go home, make your own fucking sourdough and serve it out to those that are around exactly. you. Exactly. So we're about to wrap this in. We're about to wrap it up. But if somebody wants to connect with you from a photography lens or to get your creative mind on something that they're doing, how do they do that? Um, give us a ring. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, I have a website. I have a few, but my main website is fkphotography.com.au. Um, and then you can find me on Instagram and all those. I'm not on TikTok. No TikToks here. But, um, yeah, give us a yell and hopefully we can collaborate and have a chat. Or Yeah. Thanks for having a chat with me, Chich. No worries, man. Thank this, you so much for having me. This place is fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been nothing but a pleasure having you on Wokewogs, man. Thank Thanks you so bring, much. Thanks for bringing your story. Uh, things have been bringing your creative mind and yeah, bringing the light uh, that you have to give to the world. Thank you so much. Big love, Chich. Well, 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 would you look at that? You made it to the end of this Wogcast. It must mean you enjoyed yourself. And if you want to support myself in this new venture, please like, subscribe and share it on your social channels. Thank you for all the help and support. Of course, I'll see you here next time on Ooh.